This is a sermon podcast from Ashland First United Methodist Church in Ashland, Oregon. Visit us online at ashlandmethodist.org for more sermons like this, church information, and how to get involved. Ashland Methodist, a community of open hearts, open minds, and open doors. So uh, go ahead and raise your hand if you brought a uh, living thing with you this morning. Some of you, some of you didn't raise your hand. This is, this is problematic. <laughs> All right, just checking. Every year, the the Christian Church. Um, really quite ecumenically across many different denominations and traditions, recognizes and remembers uh, a feast day. Feast days are set-aside days for remembrance, typically of individuals, sometimes of events. So some that you would be familiar with would be the feast day of Easter, the feast day of the Christ Mass. Uh, And what we have this coming week is the feast of St. Francis. Now, uh, St. Francis we'll get to later, but most people know this week as the blessing of the animals. And uh, here at our church, it has been wonderful to kind of see this grow because um, what has for many years been a blessing of animals has gone to blessing of animals and plants and blessing of animals and plants and, uh, you know, other living things. And now when we just pause for a minute and think about what is at work in trying to recognize the unique gifts that animals and plants can offer us, when we truly pause and take note of what's going on there, we can start to see things opening up. We can start to develop new ways of not just appreciating our dogs and our turtles and our fish, both those that are with us now and those that have passed away, both plants and sun and moon and stars, But I wonder, perhaps, if this might even help us to understand each other in new ways. You know what I mean? It's remarkable the level of depth that we, as humans, can have with other parts of creation. And that includes animals and plants and other humans. Before we begin, let me just talk about the season that we're in. For the last several months, we have been going through a season on following Jesus, and we had kind of a long narrative through the Gospel of Luke. And starting this week, we've begun a new season. Any guesses to what this season is? Wonderful. Uh, It's the season of creation. And I just want to give a shout out to our, our wonderful design team that um, worked to transform this space. Did you notice the the, um, what shall I call this? An icon. Did you notice the icon in the lobby as you walk in that's trying to direct your attention to something deeper, right? We didn't just say, you know what? Some plants would look good in this space. We said, we wonder if we can get people thinking about what would it be like to be surrounded with creation and bits and elements of creation. Um, I am with you this week, and then I'll be gone for, uh, I'll be gone next Sunday, and then the two Sundays after that. Uh, I'll be away in Ireland. Uh, If you remember, I was in Ireland just about this time last year, and I'll be returning, this time with uh, both of my parents and my grandmother, um, experiencing uh, creation and family and delight and celebration and 
pilgrimage. Uh, so if you uh, think of me in the coming weeks, um, lift me up in prayer. Uh, I would appreciate that. Uh, let me talk about St. Francis for just a minute. Uh, St. Francis is a Roman Catholic medieval monk. And you probably know him as that dude that holds the birdbath in your backyard. Right? <laughs> that's, that's the St. Francis I'm talking about. Uh, Francis uh, grew up in a very well-to-do, wealthy family, very secular. He uh, fancied himself to become a, a war hero. So at an early age, he joined the military like many young men did in the, oh my goodness, uh, 14, 1500s. Um, he went off into battle early on and uh, had you know, the best armor because he could afford it. He was the equivalent of the knight. And uh, he got wounded. And he discovered that he really wasn't that great of a soldier. And he didn't enjoy what was going on. So he left wounded and rich and very unsatisfied. And he tells this story in his memoirs about uh, coming across a leper. You gotta remember that lepers all throughout history represented so many different levels of humanity. To see a leper was someone who was cast out to the edge of society. It was someone who was deemed as um, uh, less than human. Uh, it was a statement about that person's honor or lack of honor in the cultural understanding and on their shame, on their worthiness or unworthiness. And to come in contact with a leper meant that you would leave with an element of shame and disgrace. So it wasn't just the person. It was that for you to extend yourself to them made you less than human, made you Shameful. So Francis comes across this young man who's a leper, and he feels a, a pull to go towards him. And so he does, and he gets off his horse, and he strips himself of his, of his armor to make himself appear more equal. And he gave the young man all of the money that he had, and then all of his clothes, and he left naked. Right? Francis goes all out. It's kind of a dramatic story. I'm not asking you to do the same thing. But for him, it was good. <laughs> but for him, it was a turning point. It, it was an invitation for entire abandonment to just give up all of the things he had been holding on to. Wealth, status, his honor, and it was so deeply fueled by a desire for authentic relationship. Not a, a hierarchical relationship, but an authentic union with others. Later on, Francis had this strong, burning desire to rebuild and strengthen the church. Not because he felt like the world deserved better, stronger churches, but because perhaps we needed good relationships again. That is what's at work when Francis was trying to restore and rebuild the church. How can we create stronger relationships here for many people who have been lacking that exact thing? And one of the things that Francis is most well known for is one time he was traveling with his group of companions and he came across a bunch of birds. This is the birdbath thing. And he decided to go give a sermon to the birds. Has anyone done this before? 
Yeah, yeah. It might seem so silly, and yet, how many of you talked to your animal this morning? Okay. How many of you at some point have just found yourself in deep conversation with your animal? How often did they respond back to you? One of the things that Francis was so moved by is something that you discover very early on in the Bible, and it's so easy for us to miss. You know, when I think about creation in this book of Genesis, um, as a kid, I had this image of this sort of flannel graph version of Genesis, right? Everything is neat and proper, and Adam and Eve have well-placed shrubs in their areas. <laughs> Everything is clean. But when I think about what it actually is that I'm reading, the book of Genesis is this lively and robust poem that is celebrating creation in all of its wild and messy and sweaty and hot and cold and bright and dark beauty. All of it. And sometimes it's so easy to forget that. And as we live in this modern area, we can become so increasingly disconnected in our creation. And I'm not just talking about the way that we interact with the oak tree in your yard, the way that we interact with our animals, the way that we interact with the elements around us, the sun and the moon and the stars, all things that God created, all things that God said are good. And I wonder how this might help us to even think about the way that we interact with each other in terms of creation. Because indeed, all of us are a part of God's creation. And it is very easy to forget that. Surprisingly, I think one of the easiest ways for me to understand what is at work in St. Francis's driving passion, and in days like this where we just kind of uh, step back from the normal order of things and just give thanks and praise for animals and plants is through the philosophy, stick with me, you ready for this? Through the philosophy of the Jewish philosopher and theologian, Martin Buber. Is anyone familiar with Buber? There we go. Uh, just to do him credit, if I'm a good German, I would pronounce it Buba. So Martin Buba, okay? Uh, Buber was born in Austria. This is pre-Nazi Austria and then immigrated to Jerusalem in the 30s. A very um, dominant voice in Jewish philosophy. Now this matters because one of uh, Buba's uh, key and seminal works was a little tiny book called I and Thou. I and Thou. This was a little book that was talking about relationships. Sometimes he would use the word dialogue. And for Buber, there was really kind of three different I-thou dialogues going on. The dialogue, the relationship that we have with each other, the dialogue and the relationship that we have with creation and the world around us, the dialogue and the relationship that we have with God or, or the spiritual, whatever you need to call that. For Buber, it was this idea that many of us if we just take stock for a minute, can recall a time when we were with another person and it was hard to kind of pinpoint where you ended in this moment and where they began. 
Maybe that's because of, of a shared history or a shared moment, a shared activity. Sometimes we even feel this way about nature and creation. It's remarkable that at some times I can be so irritated with nature and creation, and then at other times I can feel like I just disappeared into it. Along the edge of a lake, standing up at the top of Crater Lake, looking down into this blue abyss, and I just join it. Where in this place do I end and does creation begin? And certainly many of us, when we feel longing to pray or worship or to be grateful, are seeking some of those exact same expressions in terms of how we want to relate to God. You see, for Buber, the distinction with I and thou is probably better described in terms of um, maybe an I-it. See, many of us, in the way that we interact with each other, with nature and creation, and with God, are so easily tempted to objectify everything, to label it all. It might actually be helpful, um, I'll continue the nerd fest here, um, to, to just point out what the translation of this book would have been in German. So in German, the, the book's title is Ich adu, Ich und du. Uh, like a lot of uh, languages, uh, there are two different versions of you. French has two different ways of describing you. Spanish has different ways of describing you. It's usually a familiar or an intimate, and then often you come across the word formal, right? So um, it's not uh, ich und sie, which would be a formal, you and I. It's ich und du, you and me, in this intimate way. It's trying to remove the itness of it all. Sometimes when I just think about problems that are um, so rampant in our world, and sometimes when I think about things that I struggle with, the way that I might um, take advantage of, um, of social status or wealth, it's often rooted in this idea that it's so easy for me to objectify things Say, this is my money. It is mine. I think about some of the different labels that we can so easily throw and apply onto other people. Black, white, gay, straight, Republican, Democrat, rich, poor, friend, enemy, like me, unlike me, American, immigrant, Many times, it is this loss of what Buber is describing as an I-thou relationship, where you are not an object. You are you. I am me. And we are dialoguing. That is so easy to forget, and it is so hard to maintain. Do you know what I mean? 
Buber distinguishes this I-thou relationship on three different platforms. An I-thou relationship with each other, with other humans, with nature and creation, and then with God. And so I'm wondering, as we begin this season on creation, as we'll be singing songs about creation, hearing hymns about creation, and poems about creation, and being surrounded by creation, what might it mean to you? I don't care what other people think. What might it mean to you? To be curious about the ways that we either view others, or creation, or God, as simply an it an object, and in what ways might we be able to explore and to establish or reestablish a thou-ness to it all, which is to say that there is something that you cannot own about it. It will or it must be soaked in mystery. Maybe you know someone that you've been close to and somewhere along the line, this relationship drifted into its objectivity. And it's you versus them. Sometimes, although you might not ever admit it, they're just an it to you. It bothers you. They bother you. It drives you crazy. You can't stand it. So I wonder... And I'm curious, how might we, over this next season, develop a curiosity of what it would mean to restore and renew, or even just be grateful for those humans that are around us, for the creation that is around us, and for the spiritual that is around us? There is a tendency for us to need to understand and know and own it all. Do you know what I mean? And it's challenging to establish an I-thou relationship. If anyone has been married before, you know that it's not just something that clicks. You have to work at it, yes? So in terms of the way that we relate with others, with creation and with God... I'm wondering if a good starting point for us might just be noticing, noticing that that is another person. They are themselves. This is a tree. It's not the tree that's going to get cut down in five years. It's not the tree that didn't produce the same crop that it did the year before. It's not the annoying bluebird. It's just the bird. It's just the tree. And maybe even in terms of God, if we might just be grateful to just say, thank you. Thank you, friend. Thank you, spouse. Thank you, partner. Thank you, bird. Thank you, tree. Did you notice what words were in the song? Thou, rising morning, thou, brother, moon, thou, sister, wind. What might it be like to just foster even that sort of unknown and mysterious thou relationship with all that surrounds us? 
That is a question that I can't answer for you and that you get to explore. And I'm just going to leave the country. <laughs> and, and by the time I get back, <laughs> we'll see where you're at. Uh, what I'd like to do, I'd like to say a prayer for us. And then I'd like to take a minute for us to offer the gifts that we have as a way of celebrating. And then I'm going to invite you into what is going to be a combined communion blessing of animals service, which to me just sounds like a really good communion service. Because <laughs> isn't that not what's at work? We are receiving and giving thanks for all living things.